1: So let's pray for God's help now. Father, we thank you for this time and we pray very much that by your Holy Spirit you would open our eyes so that we can see and hear clearly what you're saying to us in our lives today. Point us to Jesus and what it means to find life in him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, who do you think you are? might sound like a slightly aggressive question for a Sunday evening. Um, But it is said that um, that question, who are you, who who do you think you are, is one that people in our world are struggling with more than ever before. We have an identity crisis on our hands. Um, It's particularly prevalent, um, people say, in the younger generation of teens and young adults who are asking huge questions about who they really are and how how do you know that, how do you discover that? and struggling to know where to turn to for the answers and often we end up defaulting in one of two directions on on this question so sometimes the question is really about where we fit in how other people see us uh, what they think of us we're desperate to find our place in the world to seek an identity formed by the job that we have our money our status our accomplishments and the result of that can be kind of overwhelming fear of other people and their opinions. So we live in a world where many people are driven by their appearance to others, and we see that pretty obviously on social media, and the way that we carefully kind of curate the image that we give out to the world, getting the perfect profile picture and and everything else. But all of that can then leave us feeling kind of utterly empty on the inside and crushed, If we think in the end that is where our ultimate identity and and worth is found. And so then instead of looking outside to others to define us, the other answer that we give is to kind of look deep down inside, within us. So you are who you feel yourself to be deep down. Which sounds okay, except how we feel about who we are is actually... Something that changes quite a lot, isn't it? About how we feel about ourselves, it changes day to day, and and at times we can feel pretty negative about ourselves. So maybe that's just me, but I think it's fairly common. But then when that happens, does that just mean we're terrible people, if that's how we feel about ourselves? Is that who we really are? Is that a true picture of ourselves? Well, Paul's letter to the Colossians is here to blow all of those questions out of the water. To make us realise there's a much better offer on the table for defining who we really are. It turns out the world's common answers to that question are like one of those fairground mirrors. You know, the ones where you, you, you see a massive distortion of yourself in the mirror. So for me, you know, I can find a mirror that makes me even taller than I actually am. But probably more comic is the one that makes me sort of that tall instead. But you know the kind of thing. But it's the mirror that distorts as we look out. But here in front of us is the mirror that tells us who we actually really are, if we're trusting Jesus. So there's two things to see. You can see on the back of the notice sheet. First of all, your life is hidden with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. In the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3 that we heard. So if you've been with us over the last few weeks... Don't worry if you haven't, but if you've been with us, we've, we've been seeing the big message in Colossians is stick with Jesus. We keep seeing this. Don't add anything to Jesus if you've got Jesus. Because if you add anything to Jesus, you end up with nothing. But if you stick with him, you have and you get everything you need. Everything you were created for, life as it's meant to be lived, fullness and freedom. And now he applies that particularly to our identity. You have been raised with Christ, and we've seen that in chapters 1 and 2. Jesus rose from the dead, and in him you too have been raised from death to new life in him. Now, verse 1, do you see? Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Where is Christ now? Well, he is seated at the right hand of God. So focus on him. Set your mind on him says Paul not on earthly things we'll come back to what those earthly things are he's talking about but focus on where Jesus is because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God and one day when Christ who is your life appears you also will appear with him so this is extraordinary because this is what this is saying is if you're a Christian if you're trusting Jesus you might think the real you is sitting here right now in this building on a red chair and kind of looking at some guy at the front and talking. But when God looks at you, he sees someone who is united with Jesus. And Jesus died and rose from the dead and he is now in heaven. And so when God looks at you, you are seated with him. You're in him. You have that status. You have that identity, and that changes everything, you see, because life is no longer a massive ladder of of striving to achieve more and more in order to prove that we're good enough. In the most important sense, we've already arrived at the goal because Jesus died and rose from the dead. And so we've become heirs of the most incredible fortune. So imagine being told one day, You will inherit billions of pounds. Because some billionaire somewhere has deposited billions of pounds in a trust fund, you know, just like billionaires do. And it's sitting there gaining interest for you, and one day it will be yours. The only thing you don't know is when. They haven't told you that, but you've seen the documents. You know it's true. You just have to wait until one day you will get the call. What you've been waiting for, you will be told on that day. What what you've been waiting for has happened. The day has come. Those billions are yours. Until that day, you are waiting. But if, if that was your reality, well, that would change everything, wouldn't it? it would change everything right here right now while you wait and the focus of your life would be on that day because even though to yourself and to those around you it doesn't look like much has changed you know for certain that one day it will be obvious and clear so fix your heart and your mind on then not now you see? That is what Paul is telling his readers to do. Your life is hidden with Christ. One day when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Wait for that day. Many of us are like an unfortunate man named Timothy Henry Gray. Do you know who Timothy Henry Gray was? Well, sadly, he died alone, sleeping rough under a railway bridge in a small town in Wyoming in the U.S., This was about 10 years ago. And for about a year before that, lawyers had been trying unsuccessfully to trace him and let him know that he was in fact the heir to a multi-million dollar fortune left by a relative who herself had ended life as a recluse aged 104. He didn't know the reality of his situation. But if he had, it would have changed everything for him, at least in financial terms, and he wouldn't have died freezing cold and homeless well the reality for Christians is that we have a new identity and that means lots of things it means life is not ultimately a tragedy so I mean a tragedy in the technical sense you know the shape of a a Greek or a Shakespearean tragedy but in that kind of story what happens is there may be kind of high points along the way and and, and moments of joy and, and, and happiness but the story always ends in disaster, in, in death, in despair. And that is actually so many people's view of life, isn't it? So that, you know, it, that is where we're all heading. It's all heading in the end for this sort of tragic end. So what do you have to do now? Well, you just have to try and squeeze out as many kind of moments of happiness that you can here and now. Because that's all you're getting. But for the Christian, it's the other way around. In the dramatic sense, it's technically not a tragedy, it's a comedy. Which is not about jokes, but it's about the shape of life in the story of your life ending positively. So instead of there just being sort of glimmers of positivity as you head for, for you know, the darkness of oblivion... It's the other way around. Well, no, the other way around means there may be difficulties and sufferings along the way as part of this story. Yeah, sure, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be sadness, there's going to be suffering and sorrow, but look where the story is ending. Look where it's heading for. And more than that, then, having our ultimate identity in Christ means we don't have to fully actualize ourselves in the here and now do you know what that means you know that kind of word people use you know if you're not fully expressing yourself in the here and now then you're not being truly you if you're not discovering who you really are deep down and expressing that to the world you're not being truly you No, for the the Christian, your true self is yet to be revealed. Do you see this? So, you know, if you achieve your dreams here and now, well, that's great. But be be aware, many others have managed that and found the reality of what happens when you achieve what you thought were your great dreams is actually pretty empty and meaningless. Because set in the context of uh, the the tragedy, well, it's just one moment of joy along the way. But you think, yeah, but I'm going to lose it all eventually, and then I'm going to die. What good is that then? But it's okay. You don't have to achieve your dreams here and now because your true identity, who you really are, is yet to be revealed. So if you don't achieve your dreams, you fear you're missing out. If you don't even know what your dreams should be and you're wondering if you're on the right path at all, or, or, or if you have huge regrets and sadness about the way things have turned out, well, no, it's okay because your true identity, who you really are, has not yet been revealed. will only happen on that day when jesus appears so set your heart and your mind on there and then not here and now do you see because that is who you really are your life is hidden with christ set your heart on that but then what does that look like in practice that's the question isn't it and that is what he then goes on to to say And in fact, that is what the rest of the letter is about. So we're only going to begin to answer what it looks like in practice, to set your heart and mind on things above. But we've got the beginning of an answer to that in verses 5 to 11, and there'll be more to come. So from 5 to 11, first of all, or secondly, in terms of the headings of the talk, be who you are in Christ. Be who you are in Christ. So we skipped over that phrase, uh, not on earthly things, back in verse two, and that 's because he now unpacks what he meant by that. So setting your heart and mind on, on on things above, not on earthly things, let me tell you about the earthly things he says in effect, from verse five, put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. The most important thing is to understand the motivations for what Paul says. because if you read this out of context, you think, okay, here we go again. It always comes down to rules. That's, that's, the, that's the Christian life, isn't it? It always comes down to do this and don't do that. What you can and can't do as a Christian. But actually that completely misses the point of what Paul is saying. And indeed it falls into the trap of being like the things that Paul is criticising in this letter, not the things he is commending. Because so far we've seen that he criticises those who add rules to the gospel. And say that, you know, oh no, it's not just about you trusting in Jesus. You also need to obey all these rules and then you will really be saved. So you know how our Bible translations put in these little titles. You can see the one above chapter 3 there. And they're they're not part of the original text in, in, in Greek in the New Testament. But they're added by the translators to help divide up the text and make it easier to read. But in the older version of this translation, the 1984 translation of the New International Version, this is the 2011 version, but in the 1984 version, the title that went above chapter 3 here was Rules for Holy Living, which is highly ironic given how the message of Colossians is you don't get to be holy by keeping rules. You are already holy because of Jesus, so stick with him. So someone must have had a quiet word with the translators, because when it came to updating the translation in 2011, they changed the title to Living as Those Who Have Been Made Alive in Christ, which is a much better summary of what is going on here. So this is about living in the light of the new identity, which is already ours, not living in order to achieve that new identity. Do you see the difference? So all the things that he highlights in verse 5, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, these are all ways that we put ourselves first and live for the here and now. They are the earthly things that he mentioned in verse 3. They say live for the moment, grab the fun while you can because one day you're going to die. Squeeze that fun out of the tragedy before you lose it all. And he's saying in as many ways as he can, that is totally inappropriate. It's out of place. It's earthly when you want your focus to be heavenly. You know, it's like knowing that you're going on holiday and failing to pack, failing to prepare, failing to act like it's actually true. It's out of place. He says God hates it, verse 6. Do you see? Because of these, the wrath of God is coming and that is partly about realising, you know, do this and you'll be punished. A, a, a bit of stick, a bit of threat. But actually for the Christian, it's much more than that. It's also about realising the God who sent Jesus to die for me hates this. Whatever it is. Like imagine, you know, imagine someone who loves you very much and who you love very much. And you know they hate cheese. Cheese. Are you going to repeatedly serve them cheese sandwiches? Just, you know, to wind them up, as it were. Well, you love them, they love you. Why do you keep doing what they hate? That is the sense of verse 6. Don't do what God hates. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. And then even more than that, realize this is your old life not your new one This is about living in the light of your new identity you know so often we think i'm just a sinner that's who i am and it's what i do when i struggle with lust and i eat and drink too much or verse 8 i get angry and i speak in ways that don't honor god it's just who i am it's just what i'm like it's what i do and paul says no it isn't not anymore that's your old life don't you realize that so it's like the caterpillar who spends years or it's probably not years is it with a caterpillar but however long it, un- unspecified amounts of time that you can find out and check later on wikipedia but a caterpillar who spends some amount of time crawling on the ground and as far as the caterpillar is concerned it can never do anything but crawl and it certainly can't fly you know the idea of a caterpillar flying is utterly ridiculous isn't it it hasn't got any wings as it's supposed to fly, but then one day this extraordinary transformation takes place. And again, I'm think i not a butterfly expert, as you can probably tell, but it's got something to do with chrysalises. And one day it wakes up as a new creature. And on that day it's got wings and it can fly. And so imagine the butterfly that says, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just a caterpillar. I will forever crawl on the ground and there's nothing I can do about it. You say, no, 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 you're not a caterpillar anymore. You're a butterfly. Do you see? You've been changed. You have got wings. You can fly. So be who you are. Don't be who you were. So verse 7, do you see this? This is is exactly his logic. You see, verse 7, that is the old life. It's the life you once lived. Verse 9, you've taken that old self off like a dirty coat, discarded now. You're someone different. Verse 10, you have a new self which is being renewed. Just notice that. There's a sense in which you've had a clean break. You've, awake, you've awoken for a new day in Christ with a new identity. And yet, like in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, the way you now go on is by continuing to make that clean break with sin that you began with, continuing to live in him going deeper in him. And in that sense, yourself now is being renewed. So that means you won't be sinless on day one. You will continue to struggle with sin. You will continue to find it hard, but you do have the butterfly wings. You do have a new identity. You can change little by little with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make mean it's easy it doesn't make it instant but the christian can never say oh, i'm i'm a hopeless case i'm beyond god's help i'll just have to accept my sin and struggle on this will never leave me and we might think well where's the power then no the, the power is not in us if it left to our own devices yes that would be true if it was down to us to become more like Jesus in our own strength. We can't do it. But the power is in remembering who you are in Christ and remembering what your new identity is. That is what will enable us to change and put to death those things that, that we struggle with. The world around us is confused about identity. It's got no answer to those besetting sins that hurt ourselves and hurt others and hurt God. It can't even agree what's right and wrong. But instead of that warped fairground mirror, here is the mirror that tells us who we really are if we're trusting Jesus or who we could be if we're yet to put our trust in Jesus. Christian, your life is hidden with Christ. So be who you are in Christ. Let's pray now. Father God, we thank you that it's not up to us to build an identity for ourselves, but we receive that as a gift when we trust in Jesus. If we're yet to do that, would you help us to come to Jesus, to turn from our old life, come to Jesus and accept the new life that you give us in him, receive that as a gift, that new identity that we would know then that our lives are hidden with Christ. And help us then to make sense of the lives we now live with all the joys and sorrows and ups and downs that we experience in this fallen world. As day by day we put to death these things which belong to the earthly nature. And day by day... We put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. We thank you for this new identity, and might we live and be who we are in Christ, as we trust in Jesus. Amen.